Hi, and welcome to episode two of the Texas Competes Action Podcast. I am Jessica Shortall, and I'm really excited to have with us today Philip Jones, the president and CEO of Visit Dallas. Uh, Visit Dallas is also the founding member of Texas Welcomes All, which is a coalition of tourism entities around the state that came together in 2017 to fight the bathroom bill and other discriminatory policies in Texas. Um, as we know, tourism played a major role in the economic risks to Texas of discriminatory legislation. So uh, Phillips' involvement and Visit Dallas's involvement uh, and the, the involvement of the tourism community all over the state was crucial in defeating the bathroom bills, um, as well as other discriminatory bills. Uh, so really excited to talk. Welcome, Philip. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Jessica. As everybody knows, this is a pretty bare bones podcast. So uh, we're uh, just going to plunge right into the conversation and see where it takes us. So, Philip, could you speak briefly to start us off to the quantifiable economic harm that the bathroom bill debate has done to the Texas tourism industry? Well, you know, I think uh, certainly when the discussions were taking place regarding the bathroom bill, we saw dozens of organizations and groups who've indicated to us directly that if a bathroom bill or other discriminatory legislation were to pass the Texas legislature, that they would end up canceling their conventions in Texas. And, you know, at that point, we had, you know, and during the whole debate, we had over $66 million in cancellations as a result of just the discussion about discriminatory legislation like the bathroom bill. We had, we had another $1.1 billion that was at risk that these organizations said, look, if you pass a bill like this, we will end up canceling our meeting or our event or sporting event uh, in the state of Texas. And we had, in the Dallas area alone, we had over $200 million worth of business that indicated they would cancel should a bathroom bill or other discriminatory legislation pass. So at the end of the day, we ended up with, you know, $1.4 billion worth of potential cancellations if a bathroom bill were to pass the legislature. Unfortunately, thanks to the work that you've done and many other partners around the state of Texas, we were able to make sure that that did not pass. And we were able to end up saving uh, a lot of business that um, was threatening to cancel. And the unfortunate thing was, in the end, in, in Dallas alone, we ended up with $40 billion, 40 million in canceled business. Just because and that's gone. That's, that's gone. It's never, never coming back. That's amazing. And, you know, uh, so to, to add a positive silver lining to it, after the defeat of the bathroom bill in the special session, we saw some good things happen in the in the in the metro area. Right. The the NFL draft is coming um, and it was widely assumed that that would not come to to Dallas, Fort Worth um, area if there were a bathroom bill in place. And that's what an 80 million dollar impact. At, at least 80 million. And, you know, the worldwide exposure uh, for that event is, you know, it's priceless. Frankly. Right. And so, right. You know, that's the type of an event that was at risk. And that's why, you know, the numbers were so significant, 1.4 billion. Uh, the other interesting thing that happened after the session and after the bill, you know, was defeated or, you know, we uh, we ended up getting a significant amount of business that we were discussing with these groups that said, look, you know, we appreciate the leadership you took on. Dallas specifically took on the bathroom bill. So instead of giving you one meeting, we're going to give you two. And wow. so we ended up having a record year. We ended up booking 2.4 million room nights for future consumption, which is a record in the history of the Visit Dallas or what had been the Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau. And we also saw a record number of what we call citywide events, big events like the NFL draft. Uh, we ended up booking 42 
which is, again, another record. So we ended up having a record year uh, in part because we defeated the bill and in part because of the leadership that uh, Visit Dallas and others in the city of Dallas took to help make sure this bill did not pass. Well, this is amazing. So the the meetings and sporting and, and events community decided to reward Dallas for being proactive on the bathroom bill by giving it more business. They absolutely did. I would say of that 2.4 million room nights, about 400,000 of those those rooms came, came as a thank you to Dallas for defeating the bill. Wow. Well, thank you, Dallas. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. So what did the Texas tourism industry do to rally? You know, y- y'all led the charge with Texas welcomes all. So what did that look like in, in brief? Well, you know, what what really happened was, you know, we started the, the discussions with key legislators and, you know, they told us that, you know, they needed to hear from everyone in the industry and, and, and not just the big cities. And so we we went out to the Texas Association of Texas Association of Convention and Visitor Bureaus and had a conversation with them and they passed a resolution to oppose the bathroom bill. And then we were able to get, you know, Fort Worth and Arlington and Irving and a host of other cities in North Texas, along with Austin and eventually San Antonio, Houston and El Paso uh, to join us in, in our opposition to any type of discriminatory legislation. They ended up, you know, joining us in opposition, both by testifying against the bill, writing letters and, and really participating in various press conferences that we had across the across the, the state capitol, at the state capitol, rather, during the course of both the regular and special sessions, and spoke out loudly against this type of legislation because they knew also they were hearing from their customers, they were hearing from their clients, they were seeing cancellations, they were seeing threats of cancellations. So they knew that it was the right thing to do to speak out and to oppose any type of legislation that could be viewed as discriminatory. And, you know, we generated a lot of visibility through our efforts, and then that helped, I think, give some comfort to the business community at large, which you know about, that ended up signing on in opposition and speaking out loudly against any type of discriminatory legislation. So it sort of steamrolled. But I would say that, you know, it really started with, uh, you know, the Texas Association of Business and then Visit Dallas and then Texas Welcomes All were the really the leading organizations and entities that helped really speak out and 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 really marshal the resources and the opposition to discriminatory legislation both during the regular and special sessions and fortunately we were successful and it in large part due to the leadership of speaker joe strauss and his key lieutenants like byron cook the chairman of the state affairs committee and the state house of representatives yeah yeah well and i, I think you're absolutely right that that because tourism was on the bleeding edge was going to receive the most immediate economic hit it, it created a very clear case for that industry to speak up. And then by doing that, other industries and other business leaders who saw a longer term risk in loss of talent, maybe loss of corporate investment, relocation, expansion, which isn't maybe, you know, w- wouldn't show up as quickly as that 66 million that, that Texas tourism lost in just a couple of months. Um, it opened the door for them to join in too. Uh, so I, I don't think it would have happened in the way that it did without the tourism industry doing what it did. So, I I agree. You know, we're data nerds at Texas Compete. So, in 2016, we saw a a number of surveys in the meetings industry, and one of them showed that I think 47% of all meeting planners were now saying that they would avoid planning an event in a state that had discriminatory legislation on the books. 
Um, what's driving that shift? I don't think 10 years ago that would have been the answer. Maybe the question would have, wouldn't have even been asked. You know, I think some of it is generational. You have a lot of younger uh, millennials and, and others work that are joining the workforce or have been part of the workforce in the last 10 years. And they have a very different sort of mindset and, and opinion on discriminatory legislation or discriminatory, discrimination in general. And I think that is driving the leadership of many of these organizations to really speak out loudly against any type of discriminatory legislation or laws. And, you know, we, we've seen that in uh, there are some industry organizations like PCMA and ASAE and uh, MPI and IEEE who are, you know, now in all of their conversations and all of their, you know, discussions and, and the sessions that they hold. This is a topic of discussion because people need to be educated on the issue and understand that, you know, discrimination will not be tolerated by the meetings industry in particular. Because, you know, there are lots of options out there. And, you know, if a state like Texas is foolish enough to pass a law like a bathroom bill, then they, there are 48, 49 other states they can gladly go to that will welcome their business and, you know, make them feel comfortable, welcome, and, 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 and that they have an inclusive sort of policy. And I think that's what um, we're seeing more and more across our industry is that, you know, they won't tolerate discrimination. And I think that's a great development for our industry. And, you know, when, when over 40% of meeting planners say they avoid destinations that would either have discriminatory legislation or consider discriminatory legislation, that speaks very loudly to sort of the, the tone of our industry and the, and the tolerance our industry has for discrimination. And it's very, it's, it's very, very. And I mean, it makes sense from a, a brand and an ethos perspective, right? Tourism industry is about welcoming people. Um, so one thing I hear a lot from tourism executives, I've talked with folks in North Carolina and Georgia and Indiana, uh, where they've faced similar battles, is that there is, in addition to the big numbers, you know, in North Carolina, we saw huge losses after they passed their bathroom bill. Uh, but they said that there are quiet losses as well. So just not getting the RFPs, the request for proposals to host events that they would normally get because it's folks just staying away. Did y'all see a lot of that happen this year? Absolutely. I mean, you know, just just talking about it did, you know, damage to the Texas brand and in our case, the Dallas brand. Just to, just because we were having this discussion, there are a number of groups who said, look, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to put my organization at risk uh, because I don't want to even have this discussion. So we'll just go to another state. And, you know, in, in some cases it was very overt. In other cases, it was, you know, we're not even going to put you on the list for future RFPs because, you know, we're never going to cons- we're never going to consider you um, as a meetings destination uh, because of the, the threat of discriminatory legislation. So that's what you don't know. I, I talked to my counterparts in North Carolina and they said, you know, oh, the opposition had been saying that they had record tourism in North Carolina for 2016. And, and they did. What they didn't say, though, is that 2017, 2018 and 2019 were virtually empty. Their books are completely empty. And thank goodness they were able to, you know, overturn that, the law that passed in um, North Carolina, but they're rebuilding and they're going to have to literally start from scratch with a lot of these groups and go out and convince them and educate them as to why North Carolina makes sense to put on their list for consideration for future events and meetings, uh, as opposed to, you know, just bypassing them and and never even considering them again. And the same thing would happen to Texas. All, all, only it would be worse in Texas because one in 10 trade shows in America is held in Texas, either in Dallas, Houston, Fort Worth, Arlington, San Antonio, Austin. 
So we about 10% of the $80 billion in annual business from for trade shows alone is held in Texas. And so that's what is at risk. Uh, should this if issue ever come up again, it's not going to, it's not going to be a minimal impact. It's going to be very significant because Texas has an oversized, outsized presence in the meetings industry in the country. So there's today. a lot of exposure there. Well, okay. So you mentioned, you name checked kind of major metro, right? Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, uh, San Antonio, Austin, Houston. Um, does damage to tourism in those densely populated areas uh, impact rural Texans? Should they care about tourism losses? Oh, absolutely. I, I, there are a lot of folks who are, you know, leisure visitors or who are attending conferences in the smaller cities across Texas that also feel very strongly about not giving their money to a state or a city that condones discrimination. And so what's at risk is not just the big cities like Dallas, but all the small towns across Texas who rely on tourism for their life, you know, for many of their jobs and the lifeblood of their local economy. And uh, there are a lot of leisure visitors who make decisions uh, based on where they feel welcome. And if they think that they won't feel welcome in Texas, they're going to bypass everyone in Texas, not just the big cities. And there are a lot of smaller conferences that are held across the country and that are held in the smaller cities and towns in Texas. Same thing would apply. And, and part of that is because there, and what we saw in North Carolina, there were like 30 plus cities that were boycotting North Carolina um, because of discriminatory mm-hmm. legislation. And the same thing would apply in Texas um, because they don't want to run the risk of their attendees or their meeting uh, delegates being being feeling unwelcome or feeling unsafe or threatened in any way. So they just bypass, you know, those cities or states that are viewed as being discriminatory. And we saw it firsthand in North Carolina. And we knew that should this type of legislation pass in Texas, the same thing would happen even more so because we're a much bigger state than North Carolina. We have a lot more meetings and events and leisure visitors in North Carolina. And we would suffer a significant consequence as a result of any sort of perception of discrimination. And of course, on top of that direct potential impacts on more rural and small town tourism, the tourism is the second largest industry in Texas, right? So the impact on the state budget, which then funds education and infrastructure and other other essential needs all over the state, is it would be negative impla- negatively impacted, excuse me, is that right? That's correct. I mean, the state of Texas welcomes about 274 million visitors a year, and that's the entire state of Texas. And this travel and tourism economy in Texas supports 1.4 million jobs. And the total economic impact of the industry is $129 billion, with about $10 billion in state and local taxes paid by the tourism industry. So that's at risk when you pass legislation that is viewed as discriminatory. And that was part of our message to lawmakers was, why would we risk that? Why would we want to you know, send a message that Texas is not open to people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. You know, we're proud of our heritage in Texas. We're very friendly in Texas. It just goes against the grain of who we are as a state and as a, as, as a, as a community. And that's why it was just so you know difficult to try and understand what the motivations were behind passing legislation like a bathroom bill or other discriminatory legislation, because you would certainly jeopardize uh, a significant number of jobs in the state of Texas. You are so good at this. Risk. You are doing my segues for me. Uh, those are really big numbers, right? And so they can feel kind of abstract to the average Texan. 
So what does it look like if a convention cancels in Arlington or San Antonio or Dallas? Um, what does it look like for a wage earner or a tip earner or, you know, a working or middle class person who works in that industry? Like a, you know, a food service worker or a housekeeping, well, you know, house, um, housekeeping at a hotel or something like that. Well, I mean, the, the frontline employees are the ones that would take the, the immediate hit. You know, instead of having uh, a full schedule to clean the rooms or serve or bust the tables or, you know, check people into a hotel or provide service to a, a, a dinner or a, a breakfast or a luncheon event. These are the folks, the frontline employees are the ones that suffered the most and, and they will see a significant hit. Because, you know, the business uh, on the books would be significantly um, impacted in a negative way. And so those frontline employees are the ones who are going to hurt the most. And they're the ones who need the, the income from their jobs the most. They're the, you know, um, middle class workers and entry level workers who really rely and live paycheck to paycheck. And if you have a huge, you know, downturn in the tourism economy in Texas, they're the ones who are going to pay the price, you know. And uh, it, obviously, it impacts employees at every level, but the frontline employees are, are the ones that are going to see the, the immediate impact. And that's why I think a lot of the uh, legislators who represent tourism-heavy districts understood that and didn't want to put that and those jobs in jeopardy. And that's why they, most of them ended up not supporting mm-hmm. this type of legislation. Are there other issues like this, other social or civil rights issues um, that that pose a similar risk to Texas tourism, or is this kind of a special category? Well, you know, the bathroom bill was certainly a, a high profile issue, but the sanctuary cities uh, issue is one that we've already seen um, some groups cancel as a result of the sanctuary cities law being on the books in Texas. And I know, I believe it was Austin just lost a million dollar piece of business this week because of the cancellation, because uh, California currently has a travel boycott for public employees against Texas because of sanctuary cities. And, you know, as we were saying during the special and and regular sessions, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are a lot of other states that would have travel bans against Texas should legislation like bathroom bill pass. But, you know, we're seeing some, some negative impact from sanctuary cities. Now, it's working its way through the courts and hopefully the, the most onerous provisions in that law will be struck down. But in the meantime, there are some groups who are very reluctant to book their meetings in Texas because of the what they view as being very discriminatory um, uh, legislation. Uh, we did a, a survey cities. recently of our members and and uh, sanctuary cities as before and the you know kind of general category of anti-LGBT legislation came up top by leaps and bounds on folks, small businesses and big businesses, um, when they talked about um, social issues that are negatively negatively impacting the bottom line for them. So, okay, let's look at 2018. What is, what are you all, what is your industry and Visit Dallas? What are you looking at when we think about whether we're going to end up having this, spending so much time together in 2019, like we did in 2017, 2018 is going to determine that, right? The whole House and half of the Texas Senate are up for re-election. So what are you all looking at? Um, and and are you getting engaged on that front at all? Uh, you know, I, I, you, you ask a great question because the reality is that if the new normal for organizations like Visit Dallas, myself and others across the state, is that we have to be engaged in the process at every level. And that means being engaged in the primaries 
for a lot of these um, positions that are, are coming open in, uh, in 2018. Because if we don't recruit and support candidates that are pro-jobs, pro-business, pro-tourism, we're going to end up with a lot of House members that are feeling very similar to what many of their colleagues in the Senate feel like, where there are no consequences to passing legislation that is viewed as discriminatory or, or social issues and movement conservatives who make these issues their top priorities. And so we've been working with our colleagues at the Texas Association of Business, you guys, Keep Texas Open for Business and others, to, to try and recruit and support candidates who support you know, a pro-jobs, pro-business, pro-tourism agenda to make sure that we have folks in Austin who understand our issues and are supportive of policies and opposed to legislation that could be viewed as discriminatory or negative to our industry. And so, you know, we're raising money and supporting candidates financially. Uh, we're encouraging our partners to make sure that their employees are knowledgeable about uh, the election coming up in March, particularly the primary. And they encourage their employees to vote in those primaries to support pro-jobs, pro-business, pro-tourism candidates so that we end up with a you know, uh, base of support in the House and hopefully in the Senate if we can flip a few seats that you know, this type of legislation will not be an issue in the future. Because if we don't get engaged and we you know, go back to business as usual, then we're going to end up in the same position in 2019 that we were in in 2017. And I think none of us enjoyed that experience and want to have that and have that repeated as much as we like going to Austin, you know, we do have our jobs to do and it took a lot of time, money and effort. Oh, I really enjoyed watching you on my jobs. computer screen and testifying at committee hearings in the middle of the night. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. love, love being there at 2 a.m. talking about issues like this, but, that's what it took. And that's what we did. And, you know, we will continue to be very vigilant and continue to be involved in this process because we can't afford to take anything for granted any longer because we saw. Well, I always say if there are employers out there who want to get help employees get registered, for example, we can help find a registrar to come and help get folks signed up. If you've got, you know, employees of a decent size, we can help you figure out if you're a small business, how to make it easier for your employees to register to vote. Um, ahead of those March primaries. Um, and also we're really trying to educate folks about the the fact that the Texas has open primary system. So um, you don't, you don't register with a party in Texas in the way that a lot of people think that you do. So um, you're a, you, you think of yourself as a Republican, you're not beholden to voting in the Republican primary. You think of yourself as a Democrat, you're not beholden to voting in that primary. You choose your primary every year. You can choose a different one. doesn't impact how you vote in the general election. But you know, if I, we, we say 80% of the districts in Texas are, are drawn so as to be safe. So as to be a, barring a major electoral event, unflippable from one party to the other. So if you live in one of those 80% districts, that's not going to flip next year. We always say go vote in the primary of the dominant party, because that is where the ultimate winner is going to be chosen. Um, so I, we're trying to get that message out to folks too, to really think about it. I know it's hard for people to break out of their kind of yeah, take off one jersey and put on the other one, even if it's Patterns, just for one yeah. day. I know how that is. We see that happening at a national level too. But I think it's really, really important to think about this more like in less of a partisan way and more of a way of thinking. What we want down in Austin is folks who are going to keep the interests of everyday Texans at heart. Um, so, um, Philip, thank you. We are, uh, you know, we don't have any specific time on this thing, but I don't want to keep, I don't want to lose folks at the end. This was a data packed, which you know I love. 
um, super insightful. And I'm so grateful to you for taking the time and, and so grateful to you for the work you all did this year. It wasn't without risk. And I think that's important to note. Um, and you all took a step forward that then enabled other people to, to come along and join. So it was a really big deal. I am really glad to hear that Dallas is being rewarded for that um, courageous stance. Um, I think it's a great city. So I think it's a place people should come to. Um, so thank you. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and, um, uh, as I said to Eric Glenn in episode one, I hope to never work with you again because <laughs> I hope we won't have to, um, but I have really enjoyed, I, 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 I love what y'all do in the way that you approach these things. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure and, uh, enjoyed working with you and let's, uh, Let's hope that our message of being involved in the primaries is one that will resonate with folks <laughs> so that, you know, we don't have to work together in the future. Right. You know, we can just that be would friends. Be the best of all worlds. But thank you for your leadership and thank you, you know, thank you for this opportunity and all thank the great you. work. Thank you. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. All right. Bye bye.